Hi, this is episode 30 of KRA Reads to You. Today we have part two of chapter 10 of Absolute Zero by Helen Cresswell. They knew your name, Jack pointed out, and they said something about congratulations. Mind you, they did seem a bit mad. I should have been a monk, Mr. Bagthorpe was soliloquizing now, walking slowly back to the kitchen where he had left his current row half-finished. Yoo-hee! He stopped in his tracks. Jack and his father gaped. The girl they had just banged the door on was now incredibly inside the house and poking her head round the corner at the far end of the hall. "'Your turn now!' cried the head. "'Count ten first. The head vanished. "'Did you see that?' Mr. Bagthorpe asked after a pause. Jack nodded. "'There is a mad female at large in my house,' said Mr. Bagthorpe slowly and carefully. He was clearly trying very hard to keep a hold on his own reason. "'This female knows my name. She wishes to play hide-and-seek. "'Looks like it,' Jack agreed. "'The only thing is, Mother's in the kitchen. She must have let them in.' "'She—' Mr. Bagthorpe strode forward and flung open the kitchen door, looking wildly about him as he did so. Jack peered past them. "'Where are they?' yelled Mr. Bagthorpe. "'What do you mean by letting them in?' "'Shh!' hissed his wife. She put a finger to her lips and looked meaningly toward the pantry. He looked incredulously at, incredulously at her. In the silence that followed there came another sharp rap on the knocker that caused Mr. Bagthorpe to leap into the air. Jack made a move. "'Don't answer it,' came the order. "'The whole asylum's probably out there.' "'Answer it, Jack,' said his mother firmly. "'I'll do it,' snapped Mr. Bagthorpe. "'Here!' He snatched up a small meat axe from the rack of kitchen tools. "'Henry!' wailed his wife. Jack followed him through into the hall. His father flung open the front door. Beyond the raised arm and hand brandishing the axe, Jack could see the telegraph boy. He recognized him because the Bagthorpes went in a lot for telegrams. The boy was cowering away, the yellow envelope clutched up against his chest. "'Give me that,' ordered Mr. Bagthorpe, lowering the axe. The boy held it at arm's length, and it was whipped away. Mr. Bagthorpe tore open the envelope and ran his eye over what Jack could see was a very long telegram, as telegrams go. Later, everyone in the family read it. It said, "'Congratulations, you happy Bagthorpes. Stop. Greetings to you all, mother, father, grandma, grandpa, William, Rosie, Jack, and most of all to you, lucky Tess. Stop. You are our happiest family in England. Stop. Sue and Jeremy are on their way to tell you all our marvelous plans for you. Stop. Congratulations again and sincere regards. Stop. John Stone, Controller, Borderland Television. Mr. Bagthorpe was in no state to take in the full import of this communication. The words that really seemed to stand out in it were happy and lucky. He at once pounced on these as firm evidence that the telegram was some kind of hoax. "'Where'd you get this from?' he demanded. "'Let's see your credentials.' "'Is it—is there any answer?' stammered the boy, preparing to mount his bicycle. "'Of course there isn't,' snapped Mr. Bagthorpe. "'How in the name of all that's wonderful could you reply to a burble like that?' The telegraph boy skidded off over the gravel, and Mr. Bagthorpe looked down at the telegram again. He looked at it, in much the same way as an angler might look at what he had taken to be a fish, and turned out to be part of a recently dismembered corpse. "'Oh, 
Henry, darling!' They both turned. Mrs. Bagthorpe, looking unusually pink, was advancing on them with a pronounced air of sweetness and light. "'Oh, darling, wait till you hear!' she cried. "'You can cut out the darling bit,' replied her husband. "'Read this.' He thrust the telegram at her, and she gave it, surprisingly, only the briefest of glances. "'It's all true. Oh, Henry, Jack, go and tell the others.' "'Tell them what?' Jack asked. "'Tell them?' She was positively girlish now. "'Tell them that we have been chosen as the happiest family in England.' "'What?' said Jack and his father together. "'The happiest family in England!' She clasped her hands together. Even Jack felt irritated. "'Laura,' pointed out Mr. Bagthorpe, "'you know, and I know, that we are not the happiest family in England. You are deluded. It was a competition. Tested it. Oh, Jack, do fetch the others. Fetch Tess. Fetch everyone.' Jack started up the stairs. "'Even Grandma?' he inquired. "'Of course. Oh, Henry, darling, do come into the kitchen and meet our guests. They're so thrilled you would think it was they who had won.' She took him by the arm, and Mr. Bagthorpe, looking like a tiger that has been given a tranquilizing dart and is being led meekly into captivity, went with her. Jack told Grandma the news first. He had to repeat it three times, because she kept thinking she must have misheard him. "'But we are not the happiest family in England,' she said, using almost exactly the same words as her son. "'Wherever did these people get that impression?' "'It's something to do with some competition Tess went in for,' Jack told her. This made more sense to Grandma, who had cheated to win her own competition, and did not deny others the same license. "'I'll come down, I suppose,' she said, beginning to rummage round for extra rings to wear. "'because I always, as you know, put the family first. "'I personally am not in the least happy, "'and don't feel as if I shall ever be happy again "'now that Daisy has gone. "'A light has gone out of my life.' "'William had to remove his headphones to receive the news. "'There was a lot of crackling going on inside them "'and other noises that gave the irrational impression "'that he had contacted a duck. <laughs> "'Quick,' he said, "'get on with it. I've made a contact.' "'Jack told him the news in as few words as possible.' "'So what's that to do with me?' he asked. "'Tess's lookout, not mine. Happy. That's a joke.' "'I think Mother wants us all to go down and look happy,' Jack told him. "'There's nobody can force me to look happy if I'm not,' William returned. "'And I'm not. Go away, will you?' "'All right,' Jack said. "'Shall I tell them you don't want the prizes, if there are any?' He shut the door and went along to Rosie's room. She was standing at her easel with tears running down her face and dripping off. "'Cheer up, Rosie,' said Jack. He did not feel that Rosie was going to pass as happy in the immediate future. "'I'm doing a portrait of darling little Daisy,' she sniffed. "'She wouldn't let me do one while she was here. I think she was too shy. I shall hang it where I can look at it when I lie in bed.' "'That's a really good idea,' Jack told her encouragingly. "'Look.' He went on to impart the news. "'But I'm not happy!' Rosie dropped her brush and began to sob in earnest now. Jack felt that there was a depressing sameness of reaction to the news he was imparting. "'Well, anyway, Rosie,' he said, "'if you can manage to look happy even if you aren't, you might win a prize. I should wash your face before you come down.' Tess was the only person to be made unfeignedly glad by the news. 
She was too glad, Jack felt. She positively smirked. "'We'll be on television!' she sang, giving her hair a swift brush. "'Won't father be furious? Oh, clever me!' "'I wouldn't get too excited,' Jack told her. "'Nobody's very happy at the moment. "'They might take the prize back when they see we're not happy. "'I'll go and tell Grandpa. "'He usually manages to look quite happy.' "'Tess,' he reflected as he went to fetch Zero, "'was going to be insufferable for a long time to come, "'and the worst would be brought out in the others.' Mr. Bagthorpe would be moody, and William at his most caustic. Nonetheless, within less than half an hour, the entire Bagthorpe menage was foregathered in the kitchen, which was still the most presentable room in the house. Jack himself arrived last, because he had spent some time praising up Zero to try and get his ears up, and create an impression of happiness. Everyone was talking very loudly. Most people were boasting. Jack sat and listened, and gradually pieced together what was happening. Borderland Television wanted to make a film about a real, live, happy family, and show it to the nation on Christmas Day. "'Nobody has ever done it before!' enthused the girl, who wore striped socks, and whose name was Sue. "'It's an absolute breakthrough,' affirmed the long young man, who had a beard at one end, and stained suede shoes at the other, and whose name was Jeremy.' They stayed for a long time drinking coffee and outlining Borderland Television's schemes. These included cash payments for all the Bagthorpes, which was fortunate because it made it easier for them to appear happy for the time being. Sue then produced copies of Tess's winning entry and handed them round. "'These are a press release,' she told them, and Tess preened herself. "'A Tess release,' she murmured. No one laughed." Jeremy then took a lot of photographs with a Polaroid, and the pair finally drove off with much waving and calls of, Au revoir! Well, isn't it all thrilling, exclaimed Mrs. Bagthorpe, turning back into the house. You really are clever, Tess, dear, and won't it be fun? It will drive us all, predicted Mr. Bagthorpe, to the brink of breakdown. If we have to look happy for more than five minutes on end, the strain will prove too much. "'Nonsense, dear,' said his wife. "'All we have to do is be our own natural selves.' "'As it happened, she was more or less right about this. "'Tessa's entry about her happy family was a masterpiece of subtlety. "'She had foreseen difficulties, should she actually win, "'and had therefore cleverly admitted, for instance, "'such things as her father's shouting and William's sarcasm, "'and turned them around so as to appear expressions of extreme happiness and affection.' Jack took his own copy of the entry up to his room and read it aloud to Zero, in the hope that it would get through to him the spirit of the thing. "'My family,' he read, "'is the happiest in England, if not the whole world, and practically every member of the family is a genius, which makes their happiness all the more remarkable. Take my father. He is a creative writer, and also the most lovable eccentric in the world.' Mr. Bagthorpe took Tess up sharply on this later. "'I am not lovable.' he declared, I have never been lovable. As Jack read on, he could see why Tess had won the competition. She really had made the Bagthorpes sound happy. She had even brought in the Parkers, and made them sound happy as well. She described Grandma's cataclysmic birthday party as the kind of light-hearted, careless junketing that was the very stuff of life as lived by the Bagthorpes. Jack was impressed. He thought it weird that Tess should write the truth 
in such a way that it came nowhere near the actual truth. He was pleased to see that Tess had included zero, and said how much happiness he gave to the whole family, and what hilarity Mr. Bagthorpe created by insisting that he did not like him. "'Do you hear that, Zero? Jack said. "'Father likes you. He really does. And Tess says—now listen to what she says about you. "'At the very centre of this happy family is their pet dog, and because he is all in all to them, they have called him, with true Bagthorpian upside-down humour, Zero. "'Hear that, Zero? That's you. Good old boy.' Zero took the reading calmly. Mr. Bagthorpe's opinion did not seem to matter to him any more. He had, though Jack could not know it, this at the time, inklings of what was to come. And that's the end of Chapter 10 of Absolute Zero. Come and visit me at my blog, www.kray.org. See you next time.